0: Welcome to Retention Chronicles, a podcast sponsored by Malomo, a shipment tracking platform that helps e commerce brands turn order tracking from a cost center into a profitable marketing channel. This week on Retention Chronicles, we are joined by Jesse Byrne, founder of Redbeard Conversions and an overall expert in email and SMS marketing, as you will hear in this episode. We're also joined by Spencer Beasley here at Malomo. This was such a fascinating conversation, all about email marketing and SMS marketing. Jesse first walks us through his process in capturing your audience and the importance in that. How he goes about doing that is doing so in the subject line. So he tries to spur curiosity and then rope in readers with the body of the email copy. He's a master at using conversational, humorous, and even sometimes riskier language to entertain and intrigue those customers. We also discuss how to pivot and bring new experiences to your work and how to keep things relevant and fresh to make sure that you're constantly learning. Jesse shares that he's trying to focus on sharing more about himself and his story on his personal social media to connect with both the brands he works with and develop those relationships as well as his own following. Jesse and Spencer bounce off of each other about the concerns that they hear from brands on both the marketing side and the sales side, which is fascinating to hear and be a fly on the wall for that conversation. And last but certainly not least, we discuss the differences between email and SMS marketing and wonder if and when boundaries that are native to SMS marketing, such as limited characteristics and limited creativity, will be broken. So welcome to Retention Chronicles. And today we have Spencer and Jesse on with us and we're so excited. Um, first, you know, I'd love for both of you to just intro yourself, but just give a background on, you know, what you do and um, your perspective and your position. So Jesse, we'll start off with you.
1: Cool, sounds good. Thanks, Mariah. How's it going, guys? Jesse here. Um, yeah, so basically I work with companies, e-commerce stores, Shopify stores, with their email and SMS marketing. I manage lists. And um, look for ways to extract more profit from the lists, either with different Shopify apps or, uh, you know, really fun copy copy-driven emails and SMS messages. Been doing it for the last five years, love it, and see myself doing it for quite a long more time. <laughs>
2: Thanks Mariah. Thanks Jesse for being on today. Uh, so Spencer Beasley, I, um, have been working in the e-commerce space for almost a year and a half now working for Malomo software company, helping, um, brands drive, you know, turn the post-purchase experience into the, uh, shipment tracking experience into a retention marketing channel. Um, so really focused on working with a lot of Shopify brands, uh, a lot of them using Clavio and, and really helping them get the most out of those platforms post-purchase.
0: Great. And you know, as both of you know, and our listeners know, uh, this is a podcast all about retention. So first I'd love to just get your perspectives on how you define retention and why you think it's an important thing to focus on in e-commerce.
1: So I mean, customer retention, when I think about it, I love that we're defining terms because there's so many in marketing, like, Kind of can go over people's heads like what are you talking about customer retention when i think about that i'm thinking okay so we've they've already made a purchase once which is a huge first step in, in deepening relationship between you and the customer but then what's the next step how, how do we get them to, to purchase again but it's at a pace that is still at a it's, a it's a it's a pace that you're not pressuring them but at the same time like the lifetime value increases so i always think of lifetime value i think of how many days until the second purchase the third purchase on and on and on and and that's how you're going to really be able to build a, a sustainable business because it's not just the new customers that you're acquiring it's what are you doing once you have these these customers
2: yeah i i kind of like uh how you, what you said first about you know they already kind of made an action um so they are a customer either they bought something or you know in the software space maybe they signed a contract for a year or um, or on like some sort of month month agreement. And so, yeah, like what can you do to make them happy, to make them come back? Um, and, and I think there are so many things like that go into that. Um, and, and so it's like communicating directly, um, communicating indirectly, uh, and then just like for things that maybe they would interact with you or your brand on their own, making that like really seamless um, and easy for them. Um, So I think, you know, retention is all about making things about the customer, making their lives easier, making them excited to to connect with you again, things like that.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love that that perspective of putting a timeline to it and really working with the customer, you know, to make sure that their journey, whatever touch points that each brand is having is beneficial for them and adds value to their experience. And so with that, Jesse, because you work with, you know, so many different brands, What do you think that, have you seen a shift in focusing on customer retention more as the differences between acquisition and retention are more, you know, coming to light more often?
1: Yeah, definitely, especially with all the changes in in like iOS 14.5, iOS 15, and the changes in the ad advertising base, you know, acquiring customers is a lot more expensive, it's harder. So, of course, customer retention is, is becoming a lot more important, top of mind. And well, I think we'll talk about this, we'll, maybe we'll touch on this towards the end. But in terms of like newer behaviors that I'm seeing, customers gravitating more towards SMS than ever, and using that as, a, as another touch point in customer attention, asking for a, a review, asking for a referral, um, creating their account if you have like a rewards program. So there's, and of course, like following up with their shipping information and, and such an important part of that, that entire journey. I'm seeing moving over there and that that I think is adding a lot of value to to a lot of brands I'm working with. So definitely.
2: I like, I mean, one thing you mentioned, people are shifting to SMS, like that's something as I talk with a lot of brands, more brands are asking about it. Um, And, you know, it's something that some brands have already kind of started to master They're early in the game. Um, And then some people are, are kind of learning how, like, how can we take advantage of that? And I think, you know, how that ties into retention um, is like, you gotta meet the customer where they're at. Like if they want to, you know, to have SMS emails or notifications, um, you know, it's on the brand or the organization to really meet them there and make that experience and not kind of force them down, you know, their, their paths, their journeys, but meeting them where they're at. Um, and, and I think some of the hard things that you mentioned is like, you know, privacy, you know, like, Everything, there's there's more restrictions around privacy, and so um, you can't necessarily you have to meet them where they're at. You can't necessarily
1: like take bits and pieces <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, love that point, Jesse. Yeah, cheers. That, that's it's it's interesting to see how how the, the psychology has changed, especially throughout COVID, right? Like people are consuming; they have more time allegedly to like look at email, and, and at the same time, people are sending more messages, so it's also a lot more competitive. So you know how you stand out along the touch points i think really matters so it's, it's really interesting to observe that the the strategies that like some of these bigger brands like magic spoon recess and some of these bigger brands that we all are aware of like how they're utilizing these channels
2: well I, I just want to touch on one thing is like the COVID has or and, and yeah the last year and a half has really changed how people interact with with brands and, and organizations and um i mean part of it is like they kind of want to be entertained a bit um like A big piece of that is like, okay, like I have so many options, um, and I also have maybe like I'm looking at so many things. Like, all right, my attention might be a little shorter. I don't know. Like, you're with like scrolling becoming more just common, like through different apps, that you have to really create these like unique experiences. um, And that's not just acquisition. You know, it's like you know you you have them in the door, but then you know how do you create more unique experiences to make them come back more and more. And it, you know, it's it's kind of more of a burden, I guess, where you have to put more work to kind of create those experiences, but it seems like that is what helping a lot of brands like win these days. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely.
0: That's a really interesting point, Spencer, because I haven't thought about the impacts of COVID and it hasn't come up um, extensively in previous episodes with just the entertainment and the attention aspect of needing to make sure that what you're putting out to your customers is of course like grabbing their attention. And so Jesse, I'm curious, you know, what have you seen with multiple brands um, that you're working with or just any brand at all of like ways that you can grab onto that attention?
1: Yeah. Well definitely with with when it comes to the the pop-up, I think I think pop-ups are the first place to start, right? Where you're it is interrupting the experience, but there are ways to do it where it's inviting. You can use like an emoji. I like to use like a wave emoji or like with a dog client, like the dog emoji. Like things that like we would text each other or like email each other personally. That's how I always want to come across with the creative the copy. It's like very conversational and fun, and kind of what Spencer's saying around it being entertaining. I think that's so so important. Uh, so I think that's the first step. The first step right there, and then of course like in the email world, it's the subject line. How are you grabbing their attention there? Using curiosity and benefits, those are always like the best, your best bet in terms of like a combination or a recipe for like a really great subject line. Um, and then, I mean, as you're following up, I, I like to think about like one of my philosophies about email, which I learned about from a copyright mentor of mine. He talks about this idea that yes, the subject line is important, of course, but you want to really make people attached to and fall in love with the brand like the from name, who is it being sent from? And get to the point where that the subject line becomes irrelevant. They're just excited because they got an email from, you know, Kevin Hart. They got an email from Oprah, you know, whoever it is, and that's like exciting. You're like, oh, like I want to see what they have to say. Open the email, you know, all day, every day. So there's there's a few brands that that happens with you. I'm sure if you guys consume any email, I don't know if you guys get nerd out over the inbox. So there's like so many brands I'm looking at and studying. So, yeah, I think I think there's, there's so many ways to stand out. Those are the ones that, that come to mind
2: I, I think that's a, a, an awesome point. Like one of the brands I've worked with here, Malomo, um, and, and I've seen this with a lot of other brands that, that I haven't worked with is, you know, you know, they have like these messages that come from the CEO or they're coming from like someone from the team versus like kind of just a general like, hey, I don't know who's sending this email. There, there is like an identity to it. And I mean, I haven't really thought about that a ton. Like I've like, wow, like that's cool that they're doing that. That's unique. But I wonder, like, do you expect maybe that to be more of like a shift is like email marketers to kind of have like an identity. that's not just an email address from the company. It's maybe a specific person or like maybe like a persona
1: that's built, like maybe not even a real person. I don't know. I I think that's a a great question. And I thought a lot about this because. I haven't decided whether I want to be super hardline. like, yes, it needs to come from a person. I prefer that. I think we, we tend to, um, yes, you can um, like fall in love with a brand and, and, and the identity and the tone of voice of a brand like Nike or an Apple, you kind of get their tone of voice, even though it's like, I don't think emails should be coming from Tim you know, Tim Cook or anything like that. Um, although if they did, that would be pretty sweet. I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, once in a while, once in a while, I think it would lose its luster over time. Then it'd be like, what are you doing with your free time, Tim? You're just sending emails every day? Like, yeah. what's going on here, man? Yeah. Um, but I do think creating like a, a persona around the brand, if you're gonna send from the brand, I think that's important and knowing like what if they were a person, like what kind of books would there be? What music would they listen to? There are these exercises actually. Nick Sharma, you guys know who that is. Um, he's got a really great email list. I highly recommend you check out his his email list. He he talked about that recently, about like creating like this brand avatar and like I thought that's a great next step. Like if I if you can't send from a person, let's do that. Let's build a person around the brand and then know how we can communicate. What are the rules of engagement with communication? Establish that and then move forward. I think that, that that helps stand out because again you're 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 connecting to like something that feels like a more real person. And let's be honest, we all want to experience deeper connections now more than ever. So I think uh, I think that's very, very important moving forward for sure.
0: Yeah. That's something along the lines with the personalization aspect too and the connecting of it, you know, because I think why customer retention is becoming more of a focus is rather than just having like a disjointed journey or experience. And I think that like brand avatar is such a unique thing. And I honestly, I've seen it with some brands, but I like Spencer, I'd never thought about the impact that it could have and just like the consistency alone with the communication to customers. And then also that excitement and bringing those customers back in when they see an exciting email coming from bill or whoever it is i think that's a really interesting avenue that i that i hope becomes more common practice
1: it kind of, it kind of makes me think of uh, the story with jeff bezos like I, I think this was like a complex thing with uh with amazon at the board meetings they would have like an empty chair to signify the customer like that's kind of like what the, the customer app our document is to me, it's like a virtual version of that. Cause I don't have a boardroom. So that's like the next best thing right there.
2: <laughs> and I think it's like kind of a blend of like knowing your customer, but also like kind of creating like unique things, like kind of guiding them, being like almost an influencer. It's like, hey, like I know you like these things, but like maybe you haven't seen this, but like check this out and creating like really unique new experiences. Um, and I, I've, I have a feeling people who do take advantage of that are gonna be really successful. Uh, And then, you know, it's always gonna be what's next. Especially, I guess like, would you say it's more important for like growing brands versus like more established brands to like kind of make sure that all of those touch points are like really uniquely identifiable. Like yeah, with Apple, it's like you don't want it to be Tim Cook sending the email, but for like growing brands um, who like have small teams, they have more liberty to kind of um maybe put themselves out there a little bit more and maybe push the boundaries a little bit more i guess
1: yeah that's a good question i mean if you don't have enough money to invest in like a a, a fancy tech type of you know branding overhaul like so you look like one of these big two D2C companies then i think the best way you stand out is through your emails and like a direct customer relationship and like you're just scaling door-to-door sales essentially through email, like, you're just, you're knocking on more doors by, with, the, with every email list, your email that you capture, and SMS if you're capturing SMS, so I definitely think, like, that, like, people, people, like, I think, underestimate, like, the power that email can have if you're consistent with it, and, like, you get to, like, know your list, like, when you have, like, a feel for the email list, like, when content's gonna resonate or not, like, It's a pretty cool feeling because you know you can send something, people are going to reply back. I'm a big fan of these like reply emails where people actually reply back and they give you data. So it's it's cool once you like get that dialed in. I think the earlier you can do that as a brand, the better. Even if you're making you just pass six figures in a year, I think I think the the better. Yeah, I love that concept
2: of like scaling door to door sales essentially. And so I guess like, (laughs) would you think the the subject line is like, okay, getting them to open the door. And then sort of like the body copy is like, oh, like we're actually talking now. I guess like exactly shifting from the subject line to the, the body copy, like, can you tell us a little bit more about your strategy, like with like kind of guiding them through the email and opening that door, I guess?
1: Yeah, totally. So um, I guess, depends on the context, but generally there's, there's a general flow of the emails. Since the types of emails I write are primarily text-based or copy-based and then I might include some creative images or gifs or gifs in there. Um, again, like very conversational, what you would see us text each other. Um, basically, I'll, I'll have like some type of an, an exclusion or inclusion type of statement in the beginning that follows the subject line. So if I'm using like a curiosity-based subject line to get them to open. I don't want to give that away right away because usually you can see like the first line of text, like in the, in the inbox. So you want to be very mindful of maybe use the preview text to like, get rid of that option so that they, there's still that curiosity. Cause if you answer like this question that like you're hoping grabs people's attention and then you answered the preview text or first line, you're toast, so what you want to do is use something to include like, Hey, like for instance, I have an email in my post-purchase sequence for one client, and they are getting invited to the SMS list. And I'm like, hey, like, I'm sending it at 1 a.m. in the morning in this flow. I don't usually send it at certain time, but I, I'm sending it at 1 a.m. and I'm saying, the, the subject line says, you up. And then and then it's like, I'm writing from the, stick, the co-founder of the company. Like, hey, like, I just had this crazy, like, late-night, late-night idea moment, and I had to tell you. I thought of this like way to, you know, sweeten our relationship and make it a little bit more serious, yeah. join this list. Here's a discount and it's like very fun. It's very conversational. And then I lay out some bullets of what they get benefit wise. So I like to use the emoji check marks. I'm a big fan of the emojis right now. I'm like really hot. It's the emojis guys. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but I'll, I'll, throw, I'll layer that in there and then CTA. Um, either I'll throw a button in there for the CTA. I, I tested also just hyperlinked text because again, if we're sending an email to each other. We don't like throw a button in there. We would just like hyperlink the text. Yep. So I'm trying. I'm trying like more conversational approaches and seeing what's, what resonates more. Because if it's coming from a person, I don't know if a button makes as much sense. But I'm still testing that stuff. That's kind of the fun part of being able to test stuff live. And, and it's different for every list. I'm sure. Does that does that help answer? I think also. There's actually one bonus at the very end of the email. If you're, signing, if you're sending from a person or um, someone on the team to include a PS, especially if you're telling a story, like this email was less of a story and more of just like, hey, this is this idea to invite you to the SMS list. But if you're telling like a story like you're about to launch a new product. You tell the origin story. Hey, this is what we had in mind. This is why we made it, what we're trying to achieve with it, why we think it's different or better. And you're telling this whole origin story. People love origin stories, whether it's for products, for brands, so so relatable. So um, yeah, I think I think the the idea is to um, you know really communicate the exclusivity and in the ps you can do a soft sell mm-hmm. if you're telling a story in the email.
2: That's that was. I was also curious about like the CTAs. Like, is it is it always like a very clear like Hey, do this um, mm-hmm. like a clear ask or I guess like what like what is an example of like a hard cta versus like a soft cta in your opinion yeah
1: that's a great question like if if you're getting someone to buy i would consider that a hard cta if you're getting them to reply reach out to customer service um click a link for a survey maybe if it's something like that then i would call that more of a soft cta you could you could technically. I guess, I guess I'm also thinking about like a soft close, which is like, it's a little bit different. This, this is against nuance, I guess, but soft closing in the sense that you can still sell your product. You can still sell your widget at the end of the story email. It's just that's not the main idea. That's not the main point of the email. Like When you're sending more text-based emails, you want there to be value just in the story of the email. So even if they don't buy, they got value from the email this concept that, again, another another copywriting mentor, I learned this from, like, I didn't make this up. It's a great idea, though, around, like, this emotional bank account that you have with a subscriber. And, like, emails are either making deposits or withdrawals.
2: Like, so in terms of, like, you know, focusing on retention versus acquisition, would you say, like, soft CTAs maybe, like, are more effective on the retention side? That's kind of what my guess would be, but,
1: like, where do you see those fit into buckets? Um, I think so yeah if, if you're going into because the most the more emails you make generally as a rule if the emails are good the more emails you send and make the more money you'll make the more money you'll earn generally I mean there's there's a cutting off point there's a diminishing return for every list maybe after five days a week like they're hammered it's just not worth it from the, in the long term run right? You might get people that unsubscribe that were buyers. That's obviously not good customer attention. But I think if you're if you're sending mostly emails where there's value and then maybe a little selling, that's okay. especially the biggest thing with email to is set the expectations up front with the welcome email. If you get the welcome email wrong, like that's gonna you're 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 gonna end up with a list that He's either expecting discounts all the time, they're they're surprised to hear from you, which they should never be subscribed. So surprised, I mean they signed up to an email list, yeah. they should hear from you. I, I, I definitely have met quite a few founders and talked to a lot of founders that are scared of emailing their list because they don't want people to unsubscribe and it's like it's just part of the game fella, like that's just this is the rules that we have to play by and just send them yeah. good emails. I mean, and that's the big,
2: so I, I hear that concern a lot too. It's like, we don't want to, we don't want to like annoy our customers or whatever. And again, like talking about what I think a lot of really good brands are doing is, um, they have really good content. Um, and then there, I mean, customers kind of know, it's like they can, you know, they can kind of just delete it. But if it's, if you're sending them a lot of bad email, a lot of emails and a lot of bad emails, then yeah, that's like a whole different story we definitely see like the brands who over communicate um and yeah and it it is what you're saying so like on the shipping side since you know we do work for a shipment tracking software um the companies who you know see a lot of success are over communicating there's they're setting really good expectations um and and not doing that i mean you're 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 more at risk of like if you're not doing enough maybe be worse than doing too much it is it's a fine balance but um you know, if the if the content is right and you're you're giving them kind of what they want generally, then
1: you know that's that's the winning game, I think. Yeah, and you have to think about the fact that like you're not the only one sending emails. There's hundreds of thousands, millions of businesses actually, probably hundreds of millions that are sending emails at this point. I mean, all around the world, right? People are there's so much competition in the inbox. It's not like you know, twenty percent of your emails are going to get read. Maybe if that if you're doing well, twenty to thirty. Is like a good benchmark for open rates, like and obviously now with iOS 15, We don't know about open rates, but notwithstanding, if you're in that strike zone and um, you know you're you're worried that your content isn't up to par, the email's not good enough, you don't have enough value to send, it's just going to be a straight sale. I still think it's better to send an email because at least you have it, another chance at a connection. I wouldn't be worried about. I wouldn't come in with like an attitude of like what can go wrong. Ask yourself what can go right. And you'll find a strategy around that. Like people, I get that there's like risks. Emails you know, an investment, long-term investment, an owned asset. Look what happened—the social media apocalypse this last earlier this week. I mean, yeah. at the time of this recording, you know, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp went down for like six six hours or something, and no one knows what happened. It's just like this crazy glitch, and it was great. I used that as an opportunity to send emails for my clients. We made some money that day. It's yeah. great. And I just said like, hey, thank you for being on the list. Wasn't, and again, it's just like a soft stealth. It was like a thank you for being on the list. Grateful for you. Because these, you know, sometimes these platforms break. Something happens, algorithm <laughs> changes.
2: It's crazy. It, I think, I mean, like, um, like with talking about like using really conversational tones and stuff in the messaging and, and really building a connection with customers. If you think about, you know, like friendships or relationships, if you just talk to someone once a year, they're probably not gonna be your closest friend. Or like, you know, if you're talking to them like once a month or whatever, but you know, your closest friends, your closest people, you're you're talking to them often, you know, you're communicating with them as much as you can. Um, and sure, there's always a risk, but you know, no risk, no reward. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: I agree. And too, as we've been like talking about the conversational piece in the conversational approach. I'm curious, Jesse, do you see like, depending on the brand that you're writing these emails for, do you, you know, do certain brands give you more of a leeway with like sending that email that has more humor in it, like the you up text things along those lines, or do you really recommend that no matter the brand name or the brand image that you take that conversational approach?
1: That's a great question. I mean, if I'm gonna work with a client, like they gotta be willing to go there and at least test it because that's that's one of my differentiators. I think is just like an email marketer and marketer in general is that like I like to get edgy with copy and the creative and just make it as real, transparent, authentic as possible. Like if if I'm talking in a way that the person that I'm like ghostwriting for doesn't actually speak, like I'm not gonna do it because that's out of alignment. There has to be an alignment there for sure, but if they're willing, if, if, if a client, if a company is willing to do that, I think definitely test it because, again, back to Spencer's earlier point, entertainment, if you have entertaining information together, like, that's like the best combination in an email and, like, that can be done in story, in, like, a story format. Just think about how, like, a, a comedian will say, like, you know, earlier today, you know, while I was getting ready, blah, 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 like, they just launched into a little story and it's funny and it's not that long. People think yeah. these emails have to be long. They don't have to be long. They can be less than 500 words, sometimes 300 words, and still make a lot of sales, or again, make a deposit in that emotional bank account.
2: Great question, right? I was thinking the same thing. Great question.
0: It's great minds think alike, right? <laughs> <laughs> and along, you know, with that idea, if say like something doesn't go right with testing or isn't right for the brand, where then do you, like how do you pivot the email strategy or, you know, what can go wrong if, you know, that email marketing strategy isn't super successful with customers.
1: Sure. Yeah. And you know, th- there's a lot to that. I think the the simple answer is, you know, it, it depends on traffic. Like if you don't have enough traffic to like know from one test, like we're sending a campaign for instance, then I'd like want to send a few and just keep trying. Mm-hmm. And then if it still doesn't work, then it's just fine. I'm not married to my, my style of email marketing, like for everybody, I don't think it's right for every brand, um, but I think it's worth a trying this approach because it's also easier to write an email. You can write an email in 30 minutes or less if you know how to do it well, and you can send it and make, you know, thousands of dollars depending on the size of your brand, tens of thousands a day, and you would, again, be making a deposit. Uh, you know in the list health and as well as your making sales like it's like the, this win-win but if it loses I, I have i have a pretty good understanding of how to create these different um design emails a like good structure for that i've worked with great graphic designers over the years the agency i worked at previously so i'm not opposed to it you know categorically i probably wouldn't take take on those types of clients to like do that right now because i just I don't want to like build that process right now, but I could help like, you know, expedite that and like oversee that for sure. Because I think that it is an important thing is you need to have like your whole production process. When I was at Beats by Dre, we had to talk about like the production process and I was able to help cut that time in half when I got there and it was like so convoluted. I mean, you would think a brand that is owned by Apple would have like more sophisticated systems, but... And I want to—I don't want to like make it seem like I'm, I'm trashing them. I'm definitely not trashing them. It's a great experience. All I'm saying is, it took three platforms to send one email. And hey, hey guys, what are we—what are we doing here?
2: There might be a better way. And I might be that. a better way. <laughs> Do you? I mean, to also kind of mean always, you know. Be testing things like, do you do a lot of A B testing to make sure, like, hey, maybe you know, I'm working with a new brand, I have my style, but I want to like try marrying my style with some of the stuff they're already doing, maybe? Like, do you, I guess, like, how do you do A B testing?
1: I used to do that, yeah, I used to do it where it was a blend, and now I just go in purely how I think it should look versus what they've got existing, and if they don't have something existing. I'll do a yeah, kind of like a vanilla, in my opinion, it would be a vanilla version of like how they speak, how the tone of voice of their brand is. Because usually a lot of like what I'm doing too is like helping like the brand get developed from like a tone tone of voice perspective. And um, that's important. I mean, that's again, with, with going back to customer attention, that's it's such an important thing. Like if you have a connection to that person or that team, you stand out, you stand out. People are going to think like, it's like, when people think of search they think of google when They think of connection They think of instagram or facebook certain words have certain associations and you want your product your brand to come to mind what that association's made so i think this, this is just another another reason to do that especially with email marketing especially with sms
0: yeah okay. and i'm curious when you know you mentioned when you used to do like a blend but now you just go in with your approach do you like if you could guess where was that switch like was it just something like after you've been in this industry for a while or like working with a certain brand
1: yeah it was after it was after i left beats i decided like, Red Beard conversions i've done some consulting and, and, and freelance work in the past but i always just like adopted whatever i was kind of given and i was like now, nah, like if i'm gonna do it like i have like a pov i'm just gonna go with my pov so many great email marketers that can do that like that I would refer like this, that's no sweat off my back. I'd rather just, it's easier like, and if I don't have to like sell the idea that, Hey, like, you know, more tech space is the best way to go for a variety of reasons. After I like make clear what those reasons are. Like if they, if they're cool, that's it. Great. If not also great.
2: Well, I mean, we were talking about that earlier. I think like taking a point of view is super powerful and, um, and people, you know, There's always going to be combating views, but um, you know, sometimes that there is a really strong impression when you're like, "Hey, this is my approach, and um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with it," and and then can let the results speak them speak for themselves, right?
1: Essentially, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You got to know, like as a brand, it's important to know what you stand for, what you are fighting against. And it's not like as I guess cool or whatever to think about like what are you fighting against? Like it seems like kind of aggressive. Like what what are we fighting about, bro? Like yeah. But there there are, there are times when you have like a mission where it's like you want to see the world a certain way, certain way. Like that's inspiring. But there's also the motivation of like well you know if we don't do this, these are the consequences. Like that can also be motivating for different people. I think if you can communicate that. You can communicate that with words. You can communicate that with pictures and videos, of course. I'm not opposed to any of those modalities or those mediums per se. I think they just have their place, you know. Especially like in an email, if you're like sending an email with a e- with a video, you're going to like your website as opposed to YouTube because if they're on the website, like at least you can capture that information. There's a buy opportunity there. So yeah.
0: As you were speaking, this just came to mind. So I'm curious, do you typically see like consistent patterns in when brands, you know, seek your advice for their email marketing, like at a certain stage that they're at, or is it really just across the board, you know, when brands come to you to help grow their retention strategy?
1: It's usually past like multiple six figures. They're trying to go past seven and then seven to eight, because usually like when you're trying to get to your first million, like you're just, it's like still like proof of concept with the, with the marketing and like, again, I used to do More work with more startups. It's just for for where I'm at now, like I'd rather work with someone with a little bit more momentum. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: after that, like what I do can just, it's like an accelerant, It, it, it puts gas in the fire, and then I have a lot more fun with it. When I was working at the agency, a lot of these companies were startups. And it was great experience i mean i wrote for over 100 different brands in two years like it was awesome it was a great experience but they just didn't have enough traffic they didn't have enough eyeballs so we didn't really have good metrics i wish I, I could go back and like look at all the metrics of all those emails because i like so much data there guys like hey <laughs> but you no. Know, what, what can you do what can you do
2: yeah so i mean with now like a, a pretty like proven approach you've been doing this for a while you said you have some like mentors but like what are other ways you're really learning and like kind of taking from other people do you do you sign up for like a lot of lists and you're like you kind of take what yeah. you like or like what, what are you doing to, to learn and develop still
1: yeah that's a great question um i never think that i'm like i've like arrived there when it comes to like anything Like I'm like I think I'm decent at email and like email copywriting. I've been all I've been focused on for the last five years, Um, but definitely like on a lot of lists, a lot of marketers' lists. Uh, Chase Diamond comes to mind. Robert Allen. They just hosted this thing called Black Friday Summit, which is great. They just did three days. Um, Chris Warszakowski, Ian Stanley. Those are two email marketing copywriting mentors of mine. Fantastic. Really, really smart guys. Um, And then just going back to the classics, like. I'm rereading Breakthrough Advertising, Eugene Schwartz. It's a hundred dollar, hundred fifty dollar book. Like, it's a ridiculous amount of money for a book. Like, in my mind, when I see that price, I'm just like, the hell! Yeah. That that guy is like one of the best copywriters alive. And it's so interesting. Like, they they talk about like when he passed away the, in the in the intro or the prologue. They talk about how he didn't he didn't even have this obituary. That Eugene Schwartz. Was a copywriter, an advertiser. It said like he was like an art collector, a historian, like all these different things. And I was like, that like in the last year, that's maybe like oh, like maybe marketing isn't everything, guys. Like, it's fun and I love it and I can talk about it forever. But hey, let's go live a life, you know? <laughs> so the, the and... experience is the next is the next thing. It's just trying new things. Like someone asked me recently, when was the last time you tried something for the first time? what was it? And I was like, I don't know. I don't remember. And he's like, I don't think that's a great strategy to move forward in your life. Like, you should switch that up. I was like, I agree. But so just be like trying a bunch of new stuff, experiences. I think it adds a lot to the writing. If you already have been writing for a while, like new experiences, it opens up your perspective. I mean, it's, it's fabulous. I don't need to tell you guys. I mean, Raz over here with a thousand pictures in the background <laughs> all over. <laughs> Spencer's a freaking guitar hero over here.
2: <laughs> I love that. And, this, and for the listeners out there, I'm sorry. This is my first podcast. So I'm, I'm learning new things still, trying new things still. So if I'm rough around the edges, this is my uh, first try here.
0: <laughs> we love new experiences, though. And that ties directly into what I wanted to ask you next of, you know, so as you're saying these new experiences and changing and really trying to absorb and be a sponge, you know, how does then your like consulting grow with different brands. So, you know, how do you move forward and with the new things that you're learning, how do you implement and roll out, um, across multiple brands, you know, those, those newly found experiences?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it depends on what the thing is that I'm implementing. If it's something email related, like I'll just go straight to like, what's the strategy? Like how, how do I actually implement it? If it's just writing up an email or a new sequence, like, I'll plan out that what like the cadence of the structures of the emails look like, you know, I'll confirm that with the client and then we just go and build and I start I created the emails and there's a whole review process around that. If it's like introducing like you know other solutions, like different Shopify apps or what have you, you know, that that will take a, a different kind of lens, I guess. I, I have to think through things, ask a lot more questions. So yeah, it it, it kind of varies.
2: And this might be a silly question, but like thinking about retention, um, like do you do anything unique with like your clients? I guess to kind of stick out to them, like stay connected with them. Like I, I don't know what that would look like, but like are you? I guess like w- what does that look like with your, your clients? Is that just kind of results driven or anything else?
1: Definitely personality. I mean, like I want to know, you know, what keeps them up at night. Like the people that I'm working with, you know, what what are their struggles, um, but also like where are they. Where do they see themselves in five years ten years like just as people like outside of the business the business is important but also just as people um i'm kind of like known as the breakfast burrito guy so anything related to breakfast burritos like they think of me yeah. they'll, they'll tell people they'll tell me things like around that or um I, I started going into like ice ads more recently like as a recovery tool um after like different workouts mm-hmm. and now, like also the ice bath guy, apparently. So yeah. yeah, there's definitely, there's I guess some like branding, like some stuff around, um, just different experiences.
2: I mean, you're you're communicating about yourself. You're kind of putting yourself out there, and that helps kind of you know build that connection with them. Um, so that's super interesting. that You you know seems like you're
1: really doing that really well in in your personal business as well. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, I, I learned recently like a an interesting strategy to, to at least a test with on social media was to like talk more about my, not myself, but like my story and my philosophy on things, which I never really use social media that much. Like I'm a millennial, you know, I'm kind of hip with things, I don't really do too much of the talking or the TikToking or whatever, that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I will say like being a little bit more transparent about my, my journey, my story has been really helpful to like feel okay to like communicate express myself more fully like with my clients so like they're not just like surprised that i'm dropping f-bombs you know sometimes because that's just how i speak and like i just don't want to ever censor myself Love
0: that. yeah and i'm curious too like as um as you spoke to like different mediums this is something also that popped into my mind but as you were speaking about the email marketing and like the differences between the subject line and then the um body copy. Do you see a same thing with SMS? Cause I know like that's something that a lot of people are starting to roll out more of. Um, so I'm just curious, how do you approach that aspect as well? Yeah.
1: SMS is interesting because it's obviously a, a bigger character constraint, right? So just right off the top, like it, it's almost like a micro email in a way, but it's different because the inbox, the, the, the text app is a more intimate environment than the inbox. There's, I think, uh, if I'm gonna send SMS messages, I'm definitely a lot more mindful of like the segment that I'm sending to. Like I'm okay with sending like the much smaller segments if it's a very targeted message. Uh, that's like the biggest, I think. Like it's just like that intention going into it. Uh, if it's like an email series, like a local series, for instance, like I think you can be a little bit more aggressive early on to like lay a foundation. I wanna experiment with like longer sequences like a I like got two week sequence. I've only done like one week sequences for SMS, so I'm curious to see what it would look like like longer over term. And like, are people going to be like hell of this and unsubscribe? Like, I don't know. I have no idea anymore. So I want to test some of these new things out. I'm, I'm very curious. I don't know. What, have you heard? Have you heard stuff uh, from clients you've talked to, brands you talked to, Spencer?
2: On, the, I mean. A lot for SMS, it's still kind of people are exploring. They I mean, people are always yeah. asking for best practices. Um, one thing people like one of their strengths, the other restraints with SMS I've seen is like the the limitations around like making it like branded or really just like delivering really good experiences within the text um, where email, I mean, it's you know easier to hyperlink. I, th- I mean, kind of do like more unique things inside the email or make like the the body of the email look a little more Mm -hmm. presentable. Um, so the two things is kind of, you know, how can we make these look, look a little better visually? And then, um, like what are the best practices around the content? Like what should that be? Should it be informational? Should it be really
1: fun? Um, so I think people are still really exploring that from what I've heard. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I've heard too. It's definitely more of an exploratory phase and you, you can tell like the brands that are sending like very aggressively, like, I tend to not open those messages as much anymore. Like I've been on those, you know, you're on the list long enough. I also, I notice I don't unsubscribe too much, like for many SMS lists I have. But like, I notice I stay on, like, I'm pretty like, maybe I don't need this one anymore. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to like text, like, stop. Like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the (laughs) psychology of that word, like, please, (laughs) please stop.
2: That's interesting. I mean, maybe that could be something. Could change, like, hey, like, like change instead of stop, do something else. Um, but right, yeah, get me out of
1: here. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's still very like. I think people haven't done it. Like from all of the SMS like like lists I'm on and stuff. They they right now they all do seem somewhat similar and so I don't know if people are going to start pushing the boundaries a little bit more I think it's still kind of a hey we don't like going back to what you said we don't want to piss people off like this is a, a new space and so people are a little more cautious there so I'm super intrigued to see how that develops and you know if if Apple and, and stuff are going to you know open up that channel more and do new things with the phone to allow right. brands to take advantage of that more very
1: excited yeah. to watch that I think it's something recently. That, that just dropped with a lot of SMS apps. I, I mostly use Postscript, but I'm pretty sure you can do this with uh, like attentive and SMS Well, mm-hmm. um, They will like, when you send your first message, like if you have like a contact card that you can fill out that people can save the contact card. So that way, because sometimes like the message is like, there's no number, there's no name. You don't know who it's coming from unless you open it. But if you have the contact card and it's like, oh, now i got the relationship with the brand a little more established you can link back to your site. So that just came to mind, like when you were yeah. talking about that, it's that's like all that part is part of the experience, mm-hmm. sets up the expectations, you know, like early on.
0: That's super intriguing. I think the number aspect, because sometimes I just get a text from a random number. I'm like, where's this coming from? And then, like you said, you have to open it and read it. So that's mm-hmm. that's just an interesting development. And I know we're coming to the end of things and this has been so informative, let alone fun. But Jesse, what is one piece of advice that you just like to take along with you or that has been given to you from one of your mentors that you'd like to share? I think, I think the biggest thing
1: to, to end with is, is just rehashing on that. Um, emotional bank account stuff like that, that like understanding, like when you send emails, I, you know, I don't want to exaggerate and say that the inbox is like this very sacred space that like, you know, don't be a dick about, you know, how you communicate to your customers, definitely, you know, be respectful of them, but at the same time, don't be afraid to send emails, don't be afraid to. Uh, communicate about your brand, communicate your, your story, talk about customer testimonials. There's so many ways, different types of messages you can send out there that builds trust. And when you're set, when you're building trust, you now have an asset. Now, no matter what happens outside of email, like you'll always have that list of people and you can always take them with you wherever you go, where, you know, whatever happens to the business moving forward. And that's such a big, big piece of customer retention. It's like setting the expectations up front with email and just the entire touch point.
0: I love that. Spencer, what would you say? Is- One thing we talked
1: about
2: briefly is just always be learning. And I think what Jesse shared that I loved is like, you know, go experience new things. Maybe it's not always like reading a book or, or like honing in on just your craft, but go try something you've never done. And uh, I think, you know, we always need that reminder to get out of our comfort zones. Um, you know, don't be scared to try something new. Don't be scared to send that email. So always be learning and, and don't stop trying new things. Um, I just want to rehash that.
0: Awesome. Well, I love both of those pieces of advice. And thank you again, you know, for joining for the podcast and sharing all your wonderful perspectives, both of you. It has been so much fun. So thanks. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks, thanks
1: Jesse.
0: Okay. For our fact check this week, we have a few hard facts and a good pool of references that are made. So with that, let's get into it. Jesse references Amazon having an empty chair policy in all their meetings, and this is to represent the customer, which I found this cited in multiple sources. And some people even call it the one empty chair rule. So I thought that was fun. I had no idea that that was a thing that Amazon stood by and a policy that Jeff Bezos believed in. So I loved hearing. So that was just, that was fun. And for the stat that Jesse gives, about having a good open rate for email marketing, having that be around, having that sit around 20 to 30%. I found similar numbers cited in publishings such as HubSpot, digitalmarketing.org, and MailChimp. Jesse also references some of the mentors that he learns from in the space, which are Chase Diamond, Robert Allen, Chris Govski and Ian Stanley, as well as Eugene Schwartz's book titled Breakthrough Advertising.